Somebody said this morning, uh, as we were getting ready, that there's nothing like throwing a Christmas, a children's Christmas pageant to remind you how much you need the baby Jesus. <laughs> Which we can all testify to. Um, but what a joy, what a blessing. Um, and, uh, and I just want to talk briefly about this, this week's theme. Joy is the theme for this week of Advent. Uh, and, and the simple idea that I want to offer you over the next few minutes is just is similar to what, what I was thinking about when, I, when, when we spoke about hope. Um, because the king has come, it's possible for you to become a person of joy. It's possible for you to become a person of joy because the king has come. And I actually just want to think about one character who didn't appear in the pageant this morning. The story is sort of simple but so complex, right? In the background of this whole story, um, you may be familiar, is Elizabeth um, and Zachariah. And I just want to think about Elizabeth for a moment with you as we think about joy. Uh, so in the background, right, and all the myths that we saw, here's Elizabeth, uh, favored by God. You probably know a mother of John the Baptist, wife of Zachariah. Um, and, and here's the thing about Elizabeth. At the start of the story, the start of Luke's story um, that he tells, Elizabeth begins as a woman marked by shame and disgrace. And by the end of the first chapter, she's, she's been transformed into a person of abounding joy. Uh, how does that happen? So we'll just look, and that'll give us an idea of how we can, too, become a person of joy. Uh, just real quick, first thing, remember sto- Elizabeth's story. Why does she start in Luke with, with disgrace and shame? Um, right away, we find out that Zechariah and Elizabeth from the story in Luke are both upright before God. Um, and yet they have no children because uh, the text tells us that Elizabeth is barren. She can't have children. Um, and Luke tells us that, that Zechariah are also older in their, their years. They're getting up there, right, in age. And that little detail also tells us that she's barren, and because she's older, it's really unlikely that she'll ever have children. Uh, and so this is really deeply sad for them. Uh, of course, we can all understand that. But on another level, it might be hard to understand, it's also, a, 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 for some of us, it's a place of deep uh, disgrace and shame for Elizabeth um, because in the community she lived in, children were a sign of God's blessing. Uh, to have a lot of children would have been uh, a sign of God's favor. And so therefore, for Elizabeth to not have children would have been uh, a sign, of, in some ways, of God's judgment or as though something um, were wrong with Elizabeth and Zechariah. Um, think about it, when, when, when you've never been pregnant and you don't have any children and you live in a community um, that is full of families and sort of celebrates and rejoices over the blessing of children, um, it's kind of hard to hide that you're the odd one out. Uh, everybody, knows about, everybody knows about it in the community. So... So we know from Luke's account that that Elizabeth felt disgraced among the people of her neighborhood, her community. And so I wonder, just just identify here, do you know what it's like to feel disgraced in front of other people? Have you ever felt that? Um, Maybe you've been embarrassed or ashamed in in front of one or two people. Certainly that's part of the fear for our children as they do what they did this morning. Uh, The fear that I'm going to, you know, miss up my line or, you know, fall off stage, you know, something, all those ridiculous things run through your mind. Uh, 
we, we fear disgrace and embarrassment in front of other people. Um, maybe there's something you haven't been able to do that a lot of people think is really important, and you can't do it, and everybody knows about it. So now, now think about that. Maybe you have a moment of shame that's coming to mind, and I, I'm sorry to cause you to draw it up on this Sunday morning. But think about that now for Elizabeth. That's her experience, except it's for her whole life, her whole adult life in front of the, mo- the, the, mo- the people who know her best, her whole community. That's been her shame. No ability to fix it. Nothing she can do to bring her out of that shame. And so that's where Elizabeth begins, um, layers of shame and disappointment and sadness. So how does Elizabeth become transformed by the end of the chapter into a person of joy? Here, here God meets her at her deepest point, at her lowest point, at her point of total weakness. God brings life where there will be none. God gives her a child. God blesses her with a child. And so when the angel, this, the angel describes the child to Zechariah, you know the scene, Zechariah goes into the, the temple to serve, and this angel lays him down. And then the angel describes the baby that Elizabeth will have. He calls the child. Um, he will be a son He will be a joy and a delight to them. So God replaces the shame with joy. And then later, listen, this is, uh, you may remember these these words from Elizabeth. When she's five months pregnant, here's something to ponder. Elizabeth spends five months in seclusion, the text tells us, which is really interesting. She's just sort of treasuring up this gift that God's given her for five months. Um, And this is what she says. The Lord has done this for me. She said, this is Elizabeth, in these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And then, just shortly after, follow with me, we're following Elizabeth's transformation. You know this famous scene where then Mary, after she finds out she's pregnant, right? In the scene we saw this morning, we we didn't depict it, but what does Mary do? She runs to see Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud voice. Uh, One translation says she yells at the top of her voice, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has any of this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. So so what's happening? Um, Here it is. Really simply, the the arrival of King Jesus that we saw brings upheaval into the lives of everyone. So think about it for a moment. Um, Children are being formed in Mary and Elizabeth's wombs because the king is coming. (laughs) Life is in upheaval. And I I, I know enough to know to not try to talk in detail about what it's like to be pregnant uh, up here. Uh, But... But what I suspect and what I observe is that it is, it's a sort of, a, it's a, not sort of, it's a full body involvement of these two wi- women. What's happening to them is signaling the magnitude of what is beginning. Pregnancy is not a minor event. Uh, it is the total engagement of the beauty and the marvel of God's design for the woman's body to create and nurture life. And when the king arrives on the scene, everything is put into upheaval because the king is bringing the kingdom of heaven with him. And so Elizabeth, for her part, she's brought into that upheaval with joy. 
because God meets her in her weakest point to take away her disgrace by bringing new life. The king is coming. Babies are being born. New life is literally being formed. And so, so Elizabeth becomes, moves from a person of shame to a person of joy. And, and the offer to you, just as I kind of we come down the other side of this, is that it's possible for you as well this year, this week, to become a person of joy. Um, like Elizabeth, um, God wants to meet you at the center of your disgrace or at the center of your greatest weakness or at the center of the thing that you think is most wrong about you. That's right where God wants to meet you. And, and that's in a couple of ways. So the first way, um, you, if you're here this morning, you are beautifully and wonderfully made by God, and you're also deeply broken. The, um, the, your sin cracks the image that God has put on you. Um, and, and what Christmas shows us is that God enters into your life right at the edges of those cracks, right where things are broken, right in the dark, broken, ugly places of your heart, that's right where God meets you. But, but also, I just want to, this has been on my heart to share with you, with you all this morning. Also, what Elizabeth's story also tells us is that the arrival of the king in the flesh means something for our bodies as well. So, so follow with me here. In addition to God meeting you in the disorder of your heart, um, the fall, we also know that our fallenness marks our bodies and our minds in other ways, too, that aren't sin. Are you guys tracking with me? There are ways that we experience disorder because of the fall in our bodies, in our hearts, in our, in our minds, and our flesh, that God, meet, God wants to meet us there, too. Because think about it. There's something in Elizabeth's body that wasn't working right. Um, uh, that wasn't working the way a woman's body's supposed to. And, and I know, knowing this congregation, for many of you, there are parts of you that do not work the way that they're supposed to. Um, we are marked by the fall in physical, emotional, and psychological ways. Um, we know anxiety here, we know depression here, we know ADD, we know ADHD, we know OCD. I'll get it together, sorry. We know addiction, we know chronic pain, we know autism, um, we know infertility, we know uh, backs and knees and shoulders that don't work the way they're supposed to, uh, that need surgery and therapy to rehabilitate. And just like Elizabeth, these marks on us can be a source of shame. And we know something in ourselves doesn't seem right, or we experience the otherness of being around people our age that seem to work differently. And our shame intensifies when we find that we can't find relief, and we wonder if God maybe is forgetting us or punishing us because of these ways that were marked by the fall. And so the, the amazing and yet kind of uncomfortable truth of Christmas is that the places you see as your deepest points of shame or disappointment or pain are precisely the places where the king, the light of the world, will meet you. 
And so, so just here, track with me. We're not celebrating. I'm not saying we celebrate the ways that were marked by the fall as though it's a good thing. But we're noticing the possibility of joy that emerges when we remember that that's where God meets us. Parents, that's where God meets you with your children who are struggling with those things. That's where God wants to meet them. Um, and by the way, we're not just cherry picking off of, of Elizabeth, right? This is the way scripture tells us that God works. Second uh, Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul says, for my power is made perfect where you are strong. No. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So you have to, as you move to, a, to try to be a person of hope, you have to fight the persistent lie that the more you have, the better you feel, the more productive you are, the more joy you will experience. Um, no, the first part of becoming a person of joy is you face yourself wherever there is brokenness in you in the particular ways it's in your life and in your heart and your mind and your soul and your strength, and you know that that does not repel the king, that that's where he delights to meet you. So that's the first thing. And then quickly, the second thing, then how do you move to become a person of joy? The second thing is by God's grace, you get really good at seeing God in the midst of those dark places. So first thing is I notice, hey, that's not, that doesn't exclude me from God, that brokenness in me, that anxiety I have. Whatever it is, that doesn't exclude me from God. The second thing is then, by God's grace, you, get, you become trained. You, have a, you develop kind of an appetite, a spirit-led aptitude for seeing how God brings life into the places that seem disordered. Um, just like to be a happy person, right, is, is all well and good, but it kind of dances at the top of like whatever the latest thrill is. Um, but when hardship comes, it's lost. Joy is different. Joy is when you turn to Jesus, you can look right into your darkness and you see resurrection, knowing that because he has come, life will break forth. That's, that's the root of joy. The root of joy is you see the king bring many resurrections into your life. Now, um, just, I know some of you are probably, you're thinking about this, you're hearing the story of Elizabeth and you think, yes. But I won't be healed the way Elizabeth was healed. I mean, Elizabeth had a baby, right? The very thing that troubled her was re totally reversed. And you're probably, some of you are probably sitting here thinking, yeah, I'm not going to be totally reversed. God's not going to take this away from me completely. Now, one, I, there's, there's, there's a part of you, right? It, you know, it's a little bit like just, just to give you an example of what this is like. I had this experience. You're going to a lot of Christmas parties, and you see these cookies, right? I'm offering, like, sometimes we're like, the gospel offers us a delicious-looking chocolate chip cookie. And we think, you know exactly where I'm going with this, Ann. You think, you think you're about to bite into a delicious chocolate chip cookie. And to your horror, where you think you're about to taste chocolate, no, instead, you find what? A raisin. Thank you. You find a raisin. And some of us are like that with the gospel. We're like, nope, you fooled me once with that. And I'm not going there again. And I'm not going to believe this again because I know how this goes. I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to start yelling at people. Cookies are going to be thrown, right? No, but seriously, right, we have this fear. And, and it's, there is something 
right? It's true in that we will all not have Elizabeth's story, right? We will not all have Elizabeth's story. But, but that's not a defeat. That for you is an invitation to say, how will the king meet you in your particular weakness? Because resurrection is not a formula, right? It doesn't follow a particular formula. Um, it isn't a false gospel. If we skip to the end, if you, it's a, right, think about too, skip to the end, how Elizabeth and Mary experiences this abounding joy. But think about how that's going to be deepened and challenged and transformed as they watch their sons live their life. And that, that joy will be deepened by that, not refuted. Because they know, and here it is, right? If you're still like, yeah, it's still not, I'm not ready to, this is how you know. You skip to the end. The king's victory reaches beyond death itself. So there is no present circumstances that end your story. You're not the one that God will suddenly choose to abandon. You're not that one. So, so kids, youth, just, just listen up for me. This is in particular, here's what I want you to hear. Because the king has come, you are more than the worst thing you've ever done. You're a child of the king. The worst thing you ever do does not define you. And, and, and the second thing is no amount of physical, emotional, or psychological suffering or heartache is ever the end of the story. The king delights to bring new life into that weakness, into that hardship. That's where he wants to meet you. And so, for, beloved, for all of us then, that means that by God's grace, what, what does that mean for us now? As, if we become these kind of people, think about that. It means that, that by God's grace, we can shed our fear, our kind of allergic reaction to weakness in other people. Think about what kind of community that invites. Um, we value because we know the king delights in bringing healing and holiness to the broken and the lost. So that it has to change the way we see the broken and the lost in our midst already and as they enter in. The church is the gathering of those who see people as they are in their weakness. We see them with joy because we anticipate, this is the joy of youth ministry, by the way, and it, let, let's be honest, it should be all, all of our ministry, because we anticipate and long to see. I have joy with our youth because I can't, we anticipate what is God going to do in their weakness. And so this is a place maybe for us to grow, brothers and sisters. We're really good at identifying weakness generally. It's like a rich heritage we have. We have this, I mean, and seriously, right, it's God-given, it's his grace. We can identify our sins for days, right? We know our weakness. But if I had to nudge our community and nudge myself, we need to grow in our joyful thanksgiving. We need to grow in our joyful thanksgiving. Um, what does that look like? I just want to end by giving you um, just a few a samplings. I asked a few folks from our congregation through the week how they'd experienced resurrection in the midst of suffering. Um, and, and so I want to share with you three voices, three, three, three women, very much in the spirit of Elizabeth, sharing how they, they witness this resurrection hope in their lives, and then we'll close, all right? So just, this, this is a, this is, their words sharing from how they've seen it in their own lives. This is, this, these are eyes that have been trained to notice resurrection and the joy that comes from that. Um, so here, here's, here are their words. In any trial, our prayer and aim should not be 
for Jesus to take us out of our situation or make everything easier or better. It is the reminder that he is with us in it all and that our hard, like the hard things in life, our hard is part of our story. We can't change our upbringing, our diagnosis, our, 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 un, our diagnosed and undiagnosed disorders, our struggles, etc. We can't change them, but we can steward them. I mean, do you hear the, the, just the little, the glimmers of joy in the middle of that? We can know God loves us deeply and witness, and witness the good work he does in and through all the hard. Through all these things, we have an opportunity to identify with Christ knowing that he suffered and that he identifies with all our weaknesses. Have I seen any resurrections? Oh, yes, countless times. And they encouraged me deeply. I'm grateful for them and him working in and through it all. Uh, here's another one. In, in my experience of much mental, health, uh, uh, much, much mental health experience in my family, it causes me to get creative, right, looking for these resurrections, to see people how God sees them. This has opened up to me a deeper reality that even in our brokenness and suffering, whether it be bed-bound depression or anxiety-riddled anorexia, God looks at them as his beautiful children, and therefore should I. That's joy, right? That's a gift of joy. It helps me practically with patience. His dignity is upon them, not based on their performance nor their ability, but based on their innate and good image of God. And finally, one last one. I have experienced this both in my personal life as a mother and a daughter struggling with mental health and in my professional life. When I was able to leave my children fully in God's care and not try to fix her or straighten her path, but literally as Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, leave her on the altar, I received a peace I had never experienced before. I realized that God loves her more than I ever will. And he does have a plan. It's just not my plan. This felt like a resurrection because I had been tirelessly trying to figure out next steps, how to bring relief, how to intervene. It was exhausting and a death of sorts. And God said, stop. I am in control. Trust me. This was truly momentous for me. Hallelujah. We say hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So brothers and sisters, the invitation as we close with the song is that like Elizabeth, it's possible for you to become a person of joy because the king has come. He's upended history and he upends our lives. Let's, let's stand and, and worship him as we close. Page 208. Oh, God. 
Let's go back and do all the verses to Joy to the World. It's page uh, 195. Hopefully the words you have match the words I have. We will see. <laughs> sisters receive the benediction may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and all God's people said amen 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 if you could just stay where you're at real quick um, we uh, as Angelo mentioned there's a lot of people that help um, make this morning happen um, Yes, you guys in the back, yeah. <laughs> nice job. Um, but I'm also thinking about um, our sister Kate, who puts in a lot of time and effort um, to make this morning happen and kind of runs the whole thing. Um, Kate, we wanted to offer this to you as just a, just a thanks. Here we go. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely.
So be sure to be sure to give thanks to Kate. Um, we need her to know the love that she receives, so that next year or in Easter she's she's ready to keep going. Um, we also want to just thank thank you, Jeremy and Daryl, uh, for helping us with the the music. Appreciate you so much. Um, Debbie and Karen helping with the stage. We're really grateful for you guys back in the back. Um, and of course, um, our, our sound techs, Paul and Steve, thank you guys for just jumping in and being a part of that. Um, anybody else? Okay. 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 So just a couple of instructions as we go. The, the, um, the food will arrive here probably in the next five to ten minutes. So, you know, just I know we're all, yeah, just, I know, it's going to be okay. The food will get here. There's nothing like walking out expecting lunch and just seeing blank tables. But it is coming um, we promise you, so please be patient on that. If you could, please, um, our choir folks need to stay and come back in afterward to practice. Um, so we were going to give them priority on the line. Um, don't abuse that youth group. You're not in the choir. Don't be, like, identifying yourself as choir members. They could be in the choir, though. That's a good exchange. You get lunch first, you get in the choir. But anyway, so please allow those folks to go first, um, and we'll have lunch out in the, the back. Uh, and then finally, for our children... Um, the, Kate has let me know that if you're in the uh, pageant, the, uh, Kate and the, the crew have a little treat for you. You can come down to the front to receive at, at basically at any point right now, as soon as we're done here. And then anything on costumes or anything like that, Kate? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, if you could do that, please. Um, yeah, so no costume pieces go home. If, you could, if, you're, if you're here with your kid, make sure they go, go in the side classroom. That'd be great. Um, I believe, is that it? Any other instructions? Okay. Uh, God bless you. We hope you stay and join us for lunch. Thank you. Go in peace. Amen.